Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing Hustlers. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, if you had to strip to one song, what would you choose? I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from Chicago, and I'm going to cheat because they do strip to the song in this movie, but Give Me More by Britney Spears is definitely the number one stripping song. It's a fantastic fantastic stripping song. I think you would do great at that, Lucas. Um, Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm going to pick a song that's probably not great for stripping, but it's (laughs) so on the nose that I, like, can't pick anything else. Um, I'm going to pick the song Big Spender from the musical Sweet Charity. (laughs) Are you familiar with this song, Lucas? I am familiar with this song. (laughs) Yeah. So I will say that I specifically want to strip to the version on the 2002 DVD entitled Fosse. It was like a, it was like a performance that was like all of his greatest work. (laughs) And that was a DVD I watched as a young preteen and really internalized that specifically that (laughs) musical number. Big spender. Oh man. (laughs) So it's like childhood issues, a song about like kind of stripping and like looking for men. It's like all, you know, like I said, on the nose. Oh, gosh. Um, Before we talk more about stripping and hustlers, uh, I want to know, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Yes. This week I am feeling a Netflix movie called I Am Mother. Um, This is um, a small Australian film and it's... A sci-fi thriller. It's about a girl who grows up in a uh, basically a bunker after humanity has been wiped out, um, and she is raised by a robot who she calls mother. And their uh, relationship is strained a little bit when a woman shows up. They were under the assumption that there were no people left. So it is very great. Hilary Swank is the woman who shows up, and she gives a fantastic performance, as always. Um, And it's a nice, like, small thriller. I I really like it. Uh, Weta Workshop, who does a lot of the, like, like digital costumes, I think is what I would call it. They they did a lot of, like, the the creature work for Lord of the Rings. Um, They do, they have a New Zealand, they're based in New Zealand and do a ton of stuff. They do all, like, the robot stuff. Um, And it looks really good. It looks really really, really real. Um, and they do a lot of, I think, interesting work with, with that as opposed to something like uh, Deus Ex Machina, Machina, which does a lot of like visual effects um, for their Android stuff. So it's, it's a really interesting movie. I really thought it was a lot of fun. I don't think it's like the best thing in the world, but I think it's a very fun watch. Um, and I think the performances are amazing. This is a movie that I remember seeing the trailer for thinking I have to watch that. And then mm-hmm. I completely forgot about it. I'm so <laughs> glad that you reminded me about this movie's existence, Lucas. One thing for me that stood out in the trailer was 
the voice acting of the robot that is yes. the mother. And that's from Rose Byrne, right? Yes. She's, yeah. she's great. <laughs> I love Rose Byrne. And yeah, her the voice acting of her as the robot in the trailer really stood out to me because, again, the trailer, again, I'm not going to spoil anything from the movie because I haven't seen it, but the trailer makes it seem as... She's this very maternal figure that does genuinely care about our protagonist. And then throughout the film, you can't really tell if she, throughout the trailer, you can't really tell if she becomes the antagonist or not. There's, there might be a sinister nature um, to this robot. And um, I think Rose Byrne would probably be fantastic at playing that balance. Yeah. I think it's. Like, we already have so many movies about, like, the robot's the bad guy. And so, like, with, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey, iRobot, like, all of these things where you're kind of questioning the robot's loyalties, I think they, they work that really well throughout um, throughout this movie just because you have that baggage already. So <laughs> um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's I'm, I, again, I don't want to go too far into the plot, but I think they do a really good job with um, with all that. Well, I'm incredibly excited to check this movie out. And so thank you for reminding me about it. Yeah, no problem. The The girl in it, her name is Clara Ruggard. Um, I think she's going to be in a lot of stuff coming up because she's really fantastic in this. Uh, I love a rising talent. Yes. Well, thank you for that. This week, I'm feeling a, a film. Um, it's a Mexican horror slash fairy tale. Um, and it's called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Now, Lucas, we've said this many times on the podcast. <laughs> you and I don't like horror films. Mm. And um, I've watched this trailer. This is definitely a horror film. This is definitely a horror film. <laughs> I will say it's a f- horror film with fairy tale aspects, but it's not like a fairy tale with horror aspects. It is definitely the former. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when I saw this trailer, I saw the trailer at my local independent theater, like on a big screen. I was so mesmerized by the trailer that I instantly knew, like, even though this is a horror film, it's one that I have to be brave enough to see because it looks so good and so up my alley. Um, I think the trailer and the visuals in it work on its own. But one thing that also really got me into the theater was the fact that the trailer starts off, you know, most trailers have pull quotes from great reviews and this trailer has that as well but the first quotes it has are one is from Stephen King praising the film the second is from Neil Gaiman and then the third is from (laughs) Guillermo del Toro and to to have three masters of these this type of storytelling all start the trailer praising this movie really got me into it and got me very excited for what was to come um This movie, I don't really want to say much about the plot at all. I recommend, if you're interested, you go check out the trailer, because I do think it is compelling. Um, What I loved about this movie is that it is very dark. This is not, this is a movie that stars primarily children, but it is not suitable for children in any way. It's a dark film that blends very harsh reality with, fantasy in, I think, really, really smart, beautiful ways. I don't think um, it's a spoiler to say that it's um, about kids in the surrounding, um, like, Mexican, like, drug wars, right? Yes, Is that yes, it? Yes, correct. So yeah. that kind of dark. <laughs> right, right. And it's set in Mexico. It is entirely in Spanish. Um, 
The visuals in this movie, I think there are some that are like, I mean, the, the word haunting is, again, on the nose because it is like a horror film. But there are some that are haunting in scary ways, but haunting in beautiful ways as well. This film is like really exploring the idea of what fantasies, and I mean fantasy in a magical sense, but also fantasy in like the way we fantasize, our minds tend to fantasize, and the way children's minds tend to fantasize about things. It's looking at the way fantasy um, and art and storytelling can impact us, especially as children. And those are all themes that I'm deeply invested in. And yeah, I thought this movie was amazing. Lucas, from one horror avoider to another, <laughs> I think you could handle this movie. Um, okay. There are definitely moments that are very spooky, but uh, it's also grounded and re- surprisingly grounded in reality as well. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll have to check it out. All right. Um, let's move on to our next segment, In or Out, where we review trailers and decide whether we are in or out on that potential movie. This week, we only have one trailer we want to talk about, and it is the trailer for a movie coming out in January starring Tiffany Haddish, Rose Byrne, Salma Hayek, called Like a Boss. Lucas, are you in or out on this movie? So, I'm out on this movie. When this first came up, and I was like, these people are in it, it looks like like you know like a female driven comedy i was like this is interesting i'm probably in on it and i watched the trailer and i was very out on it mm-hmm. um i don't love tiffany haddish um in things i think she works well as a supporting character um but the more i've seen of her in kind of leading her own comedies it and it, again i I don't know. It might just be the trailer for this one, but it just is very, seems very broad, and there's just kind of a lot going on. Um, I like all three of these actresses. I just said I don't like Tiffany Haddish, but I don't like her leading things. I think I like I like Tiffany Haddish in, in um, I guess, smaller portions. Um, but I just feel like when you give someone that much, like she's, a, she's an improviser, and I think when you give someone all of that room to improvise, um, it starts to... I don't know, pull away from from the the film you're actually trying to make. So, haven't seen the film. That's how I feel about it. I, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> gotcha. How about you? I, ultimately, I'm in on this movie. Um, but really? But not, I would say not enthusiastically, just, you know, cautiously. Um, yeah. As far as Tiffany Haddish goes, I would say my impression of her is that, like, I think she's incredibly talented, but that you're right, she when you give someone that much room to improv, you really never know what you're going to get. And um, I think she also does a lot of projects. And I think when you put out that much material, same as like improv, when you are involved in that many projects, a lot of them are not going to be good. And some of them are going to be great. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I think that's kind of what I've experienced with her filmography is that she, because she does so much, you can't expect every single thing to be great, but I think she can be great in the right project. And it's not necessarily a thing about her actual performance or talent as much as it is maybe like her selection process of what yeah. projects to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think she is a talent. And Rose Byrne is, I think, one of the great comedic act- actresses oh, yeah. of our time. For sure. Um, and so... 
the idea of a movie where they are playing off of each other um, really excite me, excites me no matter what the movie is. Just the idea of seeing them on screen, they're very different brands of comedy and meshing those two together, I'm very excited about. Now, this trailer, I think, has moments that are charming, moments that are like a little over the top and kind of body and in ways that are both sometimes funny and sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that this movie is coming out in January, we know is a very bad sign. <laughs> um, however, it's one of those things where it's like, even if this movie isn't good, I still want to see it because I want to spend time with all Jennifer Coolidge, Selma Hayek, and like a very over the top campy role. And then the, like Rose Byrne and um, Tiffany Haddish, just like, feeding off of each other is something that like I want to witness no matter what. Um, so this movie doesn't look great, but it looks good enough for me to definitely yeah. go see. Yeah. Sounds good. It kind of reminds me of like, there are certain Netflix original movies where it's like, I mean, is this movie look good? No, but it's so up my alley that of course <laughs> I'm going to watch it. Like yeah. how could I not? It's, it's essentially how I feel about like yeah. boss. Yeah. And, well- I think, even though it has that January release date, there's a potential, again, I don't think it looks like it's going to be the best comedy of the year, but I think there's a potential for it to be better than it looks. Um, like that, That's what I would want. I would like, want you to just watch this movie and then say, hey, this is actually good. <laughs> yeah, kind of like one of those things where it's like, we have this dead month, and we have a movie that isn't good enough to be a summer release, but it's not bad either. So like, let's put it out in this month where there's kind of a drought. I'm not going to say Girls Trip is on that quality level, but wasn't that what happened with Girls Trip is it came out kind of like January, February, no, something Girls like that. No, Girls Trip was like one of the num- like top Oh, no, you're right. It was a summer. summer. It was yeah. a summer. Yeah, that's right. It was a huge right. summer box I office. Being, I remember it being a hit, but I, yeah. I thought that was because it came out early in the year and just kind no. of swelled from there. I, it was definitely, I think, underestimated when it was coming yes. out. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was a summer hit. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some other female-led hits, Lucas. And let's move on and talk about Hustlers. Hustlers. Now, Hustlers is a movie that we've talked about before on the podcast as something we were – we talked about it in our in or out section Mm -hmm. as one that I believe you and I were both highly anticipating. Absolutely. The trailer that came out for this movie was, like, I think really attention-grabbing. The stars, the level of – like, the entertainment level, we were both – fully in. Yeah. I think I was so pumped about this movie just based on like the quality of the trailer and like who was in it um, that I didn't ever actually think about like, what is this movie about? Like what, what is the content of this movie? Um, Which I think is a fun place to be. It happens with a lot of movies where I come in like knowing the whole story and exactly what's going to happen based on just, you know, my anticipation for it. But this, I came in and I like Five minutes in, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a movie about strippers." I did like I didn't even yeah, <laughs> yeah. didn't even cross my mind. I think I had that realization. I didn't really do a ton of research. I was just so excited to go in and get ready. I was very much aware that it was a movie about strippers, but um, <laughs> what I was completely unprepared for was the the 
time that this was movie was set in. That this movie was right. set in the between past. <laughs> 2007 to 2015, and it would be covering the recession in like mm-hmm. a, a major way. That was something that I completely didn't even comprehend going in. Oh, yeah, same. And so for this movie to like really thrust that on me, um, yeah, it was unexpected, but a welcome surprise. Yeah, I'll just say I liked this movie a lot. I don't think it was like necessarily um, like a great movie or anything like that, but I had a lot of fun in it, and I really enjoyed it. One of the things that I was really excited for was for this to be a very fun movie, and I had fun in it, but I don't necessarily think it's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, it's a much more of like a drama um, than I was, I think, anticipating, um, but I really enjoyed it, but it's, it's a crime drama. <laughs> yeah. There are, I think, absolutely scenes that are completely fun, that you mm-hmm. really relish, um, but they happen... You know, more towards the beginning of the film where before the real plot set kicks in. Right. Um, and, yeah, this movie was surprisingly tense for me. I, I'll say to start off, I loved this movie. Um, there are tons of things about it that I love, but it really, really hit me hard. Um, but you're right. The, for majority of this movie, it's not as much fun as it is tense. I felt... A lot of stress watching this movie <laughs> in the way that you're supposed to feel. Right, yes. Um, you know, it's not like a heist film where the crimes that are being committed are, like, fun to watch the, a plan go off. It is um, kind of like, you know, it's been compared to Wolf of Wall Street. But it's com- it's it's in that vein where it's like you, you have a sick feeling in your stomach right. because of what's happening on screen. But also for – in this movie's case, I think – um, the stress you feel for the characters, their situations, um, if they're going to get caught, all those things, it really starts to build up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way that I thought was really effective. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about, again, the time period that this movie was set in. Um, <laughs> this movie covers, like, the recession, and it's, a, I think, an, an excellent recession movie um it would pair really well with the big short you know covering this time period in our country and how that affected just like everyday people and how everyday people made money um i will say i was both of us we were in college when like the worst parts of the recession hit. And mm-hmm. so like 2007 through 2011, we were in college. And for me, I was aware that a recession was going on, but I was in a very like college protected bubble from it. You know what I mean? Um, I was living off of minimum wage college jobs and my student loans and the recession didn't really affect me financially in any grave ways. And so media about the recession I think is very eye-opening for me and also (laughs) makes me super stressed out about our future um, and our current economy Uh, but I think it's also like really important to consume and and understand yeah I think it's interesting she um yeah, because, like, same thing. Like, in 2008, I was like, oh, a recession hit. Uh, we'll be fine by the time I graduate kind of a situation. Right. <laughs> um, and but, the, but then, like, you see in this film, like, she, in 2011, she's 
uh, like she gets pregnant in 2013. She's like still interviewing for jobs that she like can't get like in retail and stuff like that. And I, I was also doing that like, like after graduation, like just interviewing for tons of jobs that I wouldn't get and then ended up working retail and like all of this stuff that I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. This was, (laughs) this wasn't great. (laughs) In addition to like the recession, another, a more fun aspect of the fact that this movie takes place in this specific time is that the clothing and the music is Mm -hmm. all incredibly (laughs) time period specific. And especially musically for someone who, was going to college in this time period. And let's be real, I wasn't going to strip clubs, but I was like partying to the to these pop songs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This music hit me in like a really special place in my heart. Um, I don't want to spoil any of the music cues in this movie because I think they're all delightful. Um, but there is one particular song that plays... Um, on a, on a shot of Jennifer Lopez walking into a club that sent my heart soaring. Um, that they there use are that so many song. good shots of her walking into a club. There's a lot of them. So like, I, maybe you'll know which one I'm talking about. Maybe you yeah. won't. But, but there's one where they use a specific pop song from that era that I was just like, I remember dancing to this song. The fact that this song is indicating this specific emotion in this scene fits perfectly. And I felt that throughout the whole movie um, yeah. with so many different music choices. I think uh, I, we, we haven't even talked about the director of this movie. What's her name? Lorraine. Uh, it's, it's either Scafaria or Scafaria. I don't know how yeah. to say that name. Yeah. But I'm Lorraine gonna say Scafaria. Scafaria. Okay. <laughs> Lorraine Scafaria, um, she does an excellent job of like weaving together these music cues, Ugh. so they don't they don't feel like um, I'm going to play this hit and then I'm going to turn it off, and then I'm going to play this hit for you and then I'm going to turn it off. Like they all have like meaning to them, and there's like there's that emotion that you feel when you hear it, which is the same emotion the characters are feeling. Um, and then she also mixes it in with a lot of like um, like classical, like very classy pieces. Yeah. Um, as, as part of the score, these, these compositions, which are, I think they work really well because it is these stories of these women trying to, um, uh, I guess, like raise the quality of their life. And like that, this is something that they're all kind of looking for is this classiness um, that, that they didn't start out with. And I think, it, I, I just think it's like really, really well done with all of the, all of the music cues. I don't, I'm trying to think of another movie in recent years that I have loved this much the way that it incorporates its soundtrack into the film. Um, I mean, I can think of movies with great soundtracks, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the way that this movie uses its soundtrack is something throughout the whole movie that I was really in awe of. Um, I read a piece, I think, on Vulture where Lorene Scafaria and the music um, coordinators for the film talked about gaining all the rights to all the music that they do because it's a lot of big yeah. songs from big artists um, and a lot of artists that don't always u- let their music be used in films. And whereas like you, you kind of hear these stories of directors like writing a letter to a specific pop artist saying like, please let me use your song in this movie. This is how I would use it. It would mean so much. And you hear that story like Greta Gerwig did with Justin Timberlake, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, for Lady Bird. But this article, Laureen Scafaria had to write like ten different letters to different like <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like the, it felt like half of the filmmaking was trying to get the rights to these songs. <laughs> um, she also also in the article I learned that 
when she wrote the script, a lot of this music was written into the script that she very specifically knew how to make this movie like from the beginning. You know, this was not stuff that they played around with. It was music that very purposely fit into the story that she was trying to tell. Man, that's um, that's impressive. I think that shows. <laughs> yeah, I think it really shows. And she kind of says in that article that, you know, if I didn't get the rights to some of these songs, I really don't know if we could have made the movie. You know, that, yeah. that like certain scenes we shot like specifically with those songs. Um there's some there's a dance scene that's choreographed to a, a, an important dance scene that's choreographed to one of those songs and they kind of just had faith that they would get all the rights. Um, wow. <laughs> I know. Um, but it ended up working out. And I think part of the reason it worked out so well for them over and over with really these influential artists, a lot of them female artists, was because they really had um, a, they really felt a passion for the story they were trying to tell. And that this story specifically is about these women um, it, it it centralizes those the stories of women. And so a lot of these artists, I think, you know, felt that that was a worthy story to include their art in. Um, and for me, there's a lot about this movie that I love. I think visually it's very interesting. I love a montage, and this movie is like mm-hmm. 50% montage <laughs> in very good ways. I, that is not a criticism. Um, but what makes me love this movie is the relationships that it builds um, and the dynamic that it holds up uh, between all the female characters. Uh, And this movie is prime, like almost a hundred percent female characters. There's a few, there's minor male characters, but many of them don't have names and um, Mm -hmm. are not really main parts of the story other than the fact that they're the victims of of these crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, the relationships between all these women I thought was depicted so beautifully Um, and that these women all felt individual and real and fully fleshed out also like really made the film soar. Yeah. And I think like the performances here are amazing. Like we just keep Ugh. talking about JLo. I think JLo is the, the standout from this. Um, but I mean, everybody we else haven't talked about well. JLo yet. The, the we, country we has been talking about The country about as a we, yes. <laughs> the royal we. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, have talked about J-Lo. I, I, but I do think I, I also want to give a shout out to literally everybody else in this movie. Sure. Um, specifically Kiki Palmer. Um, like coming out of this, I did think like J-Lo was great. Do I think she's going to get an Oscar? No, she's not. Um, but I think Kiki Palmer coming out of this, I think is going to be in a lot more stuff. As a musician who I I don't. I know she's done acting before, but specifically with this, I think she had a lot to work with, and she is hilarious in this yeah. movie. Um, so good. She She's really funny. She is like the comic. There's two characters that are kind of the comic relief, and she's one of them. She's the primary mm-hmm. one, and yeah. she really fulfills that role in a much-needed way throughout some of these like incredibly tense moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to J-Lo for a little bit. Yes. I, who knows if she'll win, but I really think and hope she'll be nominated for an Oscar. I think this film really rides on that performance. Um, she's not the protagonist, but she is the she plays the character that the protagonist is in awe of, and that performance has to work for the film to work. You know, if we are not as in awe of that character as the mm-hmm. protagonist is. Um, and, and as all of 
their victims or clients right. are, <laughs> then the film doesn't work. You know what I mean? Because J-Lo is magic in this movie, this movie works and is great. Um, I think she is doing so many things at once. She's warm. She's cold. She's maternal. She's seductive. She's a leader. She's a best friend. She is manipulative and compassionate and greedy and generous. She does it all. And it all feels like so true. Um, I, I think the character that she and Lorraine Scafaria have crafted is kind of a marvel. And I think she pull, she does this movie. She acts the hell out of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but she all, in addition to acting the hell out of it, what all these women have to do, but especially JLo is they have to have these like perfect bodies and perform these like routines. You know what I mean? That this is not just an act of film where they're acting is like the only thing they're doing it, like an action film. They also have to be in amazing shape and do these like physical feats. Mm -hmm. And that is also a thing to like be incredibly impressed by. Yeah. Um, it is, I think a really important aspect of this film that JLo is 50 years old. The actress JLo is 50 years <laughs> old and her body is like, the body that everyone envies in this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think there's like a statement being made there that in a film with hot young actresses of like lots of different ages, JLo is the peak of them all and is presented as the peak. Mm -hmm. And um, I read the article that um, this movie was based off of. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, and the character or the, the real life person that the character JLo plays is based off of, I believe was like in her early thirties when all of this was happening. And in the article, they say that's like ancient and stripper years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so of course JLo is like an A-list Hollywood actress. So of course yeah. she looks better at 50 than like maybe some regular people would look at most 30s. people at 30. <laughs> yes. But I think there's something to be said for like the fact that like, the the person that pulled the woman that pulled this all off was older and mm -hmm. it it wasn't you know just um there's something to be said for the sex appeal of like this older woman um that i it was i thought was really cool and a really a cool storytelling device yeah was the her age specifically but also that this movie had a variety of ages of women a variety of sizes of ethnicities it had trans women it had cis women it was you know this this movie showed that like this is a community that is a diverse community yeah yeah i would love to get into the uh the actual plot of this okay. um in spoilers if yeah. you're ready i'm ready all right let's talk spoilers before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen now Crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Um, okay, so the again, coming into this movie, not kind of really even thinking about what the plot is. Um, partway through, I realized, okay, so what did what what did they go to jail for? Like, what did, what what happens? Right. Um, and it turns out they're they're drugging people and 
just getting them to come to the club and and buy buy drinks and stuff like is basically what it is. They just spend a bunch of money at the club and then they get a cut at it. That's how it starts. And then it escalates into them just stealing them, just drugging people and stealing their money. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all via credit cards. It's all like, yeah. Getting a cut of all the stuff that they're spending on credit cards at the club versus now let's just run the credit cards ourselves. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking, but there was a little bit where I was like, I'm not sure where this, where this changed, but yeah, I think one of the things about, (laughs) about any kind of crime, like family movies, this, cause this does feel very like, um, like Goodfellas, like, like like this, this family that comes together around crime and the, you know, the appeal of that. And just the, the inevitable fall of just people bringing in people that you don't trust. Like that part of the movie was the most stressful when JLo starts bringing in other people. Um, because that's that, like, you know, you know, it's just falling apart at that point. And it takes so long for that to actually fall apart that it, it hurt me physically. I I was so stressed because of it. I think like, like filmmaking wise, so amazing like the, like just the way it's handled right um, it does what it's supposed to do exactly but just the whole time I was just like oh man this hurts this hurts so much oh and what I love about that is that it was so in character you know what I mean oh, it wasn't yeah. like they were yeah. it, it, it didn't feel you know sometimes when stuff like that happens in a movie you're like well this is so dumb why are they doing this dumb mm-hmm. thing but the whole point of JLo's character is that she she doesn't really care about these men, but she does care about, like, these strays, these women mm-hmm. that look up to her, that need her help, that she can help take care of. Um, she has, like, a soft spot for them. And, yeah. and and so she keeps bringing in people like this because she can't help herself. Yeah. It's interesting because Constance Wu, who's the main character in this movie, who we still haven't really talked about, but right. she is one of those strays who gets brought into this scheme. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like she helped start it with right. with JLo. She gets brought in, and she, I mean, she ends up being like, as she says in the movie, like the CFO of this. Like she ends up. She organized. She but, helps it get organized. Right, right. But this was already happening when she gets brought in with the yeah. other characters. Um, and so I just I like it. That's why when more people get brought in, it you're right. It does feel real. It does feel like something that the J Lo's character would do. Um, but oh man, it's sad. <laughs> yeah. One thing. Do you want? Do you want to hear stuff from the original article? Yes. And yes. Have, like different. Tell me so, all of it. Well. One thing I was fascinated about reading the article after seeing the movie is how incredibly accurate the movie was. Like, so many of the details in the movie and sometimes lines in the movie are directly from the article. Um, One of the things that the movie doesn't, I think, fully – it doesn't really explicitly make clear is that those new people that J-Lo starts hiring mm-hmm. uh, or Ramona is the character that Ramona starts right. bringing in um, that in the article they're described as like prostitutes that they found on Craigslist, sex workers that they found on Craigslist. Mm. Um, so whereas like the original team are strippers, the the girls that they bring in to help make the business more, in house, I guess you could say, versus like at the yeah. strip club, are sex workers, um, and so that's not. It's not really explicitly stated that that's hap- what happens in the movie, yeah. right? It's kind of implied because 
you know, there's like the shot of the guy that's naked. You just, you don't, you don't really know like what's happening with these guys and what's not. Um, but it's never like, com- like stated. Um, and that's just one thing that it was like one of the few differences that I noticed from the article to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, truly the only other thing was that I think the only thing that felt dramatized in the movie is the fact that all these women like bec- like felt like family. You know what I mean? In fact, yeah. and, and that's in the article. At one point she says like these women feel, felt like sisters, but the relationship specifically between like Ramona and Destiny and how like mm-hmm. that is the core of the film yeah. um, and how they in love they kind of are with each other as partner as you know like women in arms you know um that is not explicitly stated in the article that's something that i think was written to make it a story um but everything else so many details are like exactly from the article which oh i think is fascinating another thing that's kind of fascinating though is so the majority of the article is from the perspective of that destiny character who is, you yeah. know, has a different name and everything right. in the article. But at one point in the article, she calls the reporter the way that destiny keeps calling the reporter, giving updates, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, Oh, by the way, everything I told you was a lie. And the reporter's kind of like, um, I don't think it was like a lot of these things are facts that are based off of like, other evidence you know what i right, mean like right. you went, <laughs> and corroborate some of this <laughs> exactly and she goes well if you want to believe everything i told you that's fine you can print it but i'm here saying it's all fiction and so it, it it's kind of setting up that protagonist in the article as sort of an unreliable narrator like yeah i think most of it's true but you never really know like what is and what isn't um and this movie doesn't do a I think a great job at really playing that up. Although I think a little bit of it is there with their stories from you. You're hearing that there's stories from Ramona. You're seeing destiny tell the story and then you're seeing, and then you're seeing the story play out and you, you never really know, like depending on who's narrating, what is really happening? You know, Um, I think in other movies, they do a really good job at making it explicit. Like, this is an unreliable narrator. You don't know what's happening. See, I never felt like she was an unreliable narrator. I just felt like she was having trouble um, talking to Julia Stiles' character about about it. Um, yeah. I never thought that, like, anything that we're seeing might actually not be true. I assumed it was all true. Right. I think I, I was the same way, but what you're seeing, what you do experience is, you know, you hear Julia Stiles saying, well, Ramona said this, and... Those, don't, those things don't always line up exactly, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not so much about unreliable, like she's lying, but it is about perspective, right? From yeah. Ramona's perspective versus Destiny's perspective, things might be a little bit different. Who is the really, who is the actual greedy one? You know, like who is the one who is the real ringleader kind of thing is, you know, there's right. that moment in the jail cell where he says, who's the ringleader? And they both look at each other. Um, and in the article, they mentioned that exactly happened. He said, who's the ringleader? And literally those two girls pointed at each other. And so it's, you know, one of those things where we're seeing this from destiny's point of view primarily. Um, but you just don't know, like, you know, every, every person has their own version of the story is really, I think what the movie is kind of getting at. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about music? 
Yes. So this, so many moments, like were amazing. But the moment that really did it for me was when Destiny and Ramona have been apart from each other for a while, and she sees Ramona walk mm. into the club, and it's yeah. "Club Can't Handle Me Right Now" by David Guetta, which is like this <laughs> soaring, joyful pop song. Um, and what I love about that is that it is a song that would be playing in a strip club at that time. So it's like, it fits in with the time period and it's like almost like a musical. Like it's like so, um, like joyous and, and just like perfectly timed and it was beautiful. I loved that moment. Yeah. I love that she was in, that they were in the middle of. Uh, I, I don't even want to call it. They like they had a guy with like they were bringing a guy into the club. They were in the middle right. of a um I want to say abduction, but it, yeah, it's not an abduction. <laughs> a, the, yeah. a job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and and so you don't even note it notice that really like when when she walks in like you're just focused on Ramona. Yeah. Um but then it becomes clear that like oh yeah they were they were doing that. <laughs> right. Oh man. Yeah. It's great. I really love their relationship together. Yeah. Um, it, I, I thought it was just really beautiful, really beautifully per- portrayed. Um, I loved the the when kind of the build up at the beginning when she's like the, the last night we were happy when Usher comes oh in like gosh. that that whole sequence with just everybody on stage is so much fun. It's hilarious. You could tell Usher's having a blast. <laughs> that scene uh, is like it. it the movie says, like, this is the last great night, and yeah, that is yeah. the last moment in the movie where you feel, like, pure fun and joy, you know? Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> and so the movie is really taking you on the journey that the characters were on in that moment. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it is just a blast to witness. Um, that's also, I think, the last scene with, like, Lizzo and Cardi B, um, yeah. who yeah. obviously, like, those are, like, super famous stars that are both touring, so it's hard to, like get them more in this movie, but I could have used definitely more of both of them because they were just like amazing every moment they were on screen. Unsurprisingly. They are like true cameos when they were marketed as part of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. um, Because I think they each had like one and a half scenes and then that dance sequence. Right. (laughs) Although I think Cardi B does definitely have like, a big scene. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. she just like flicks in and out. Like Lizzo yeah, yeah. kind of flicks in and out. Yeah. Um, but Cardi B has like an integral scene, like where she teaches Destiny how to strip. Um, and and like it's a, an important scene in the movie. Wait, sh- Cardi B? Yeah. When? So J-Lo is teaching her how to use the pole and then oh. Cardi B and J-Lo like teach her how to do like a lap dance. A lap dance. That's right. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And, it's a, and it's a fantastic scene. The most iconic shot in the whole movie that like burned my brain, I think will go down <laughs> in history is, I mean, it's kind of two shots in one scene is J-Lo on a roof in a coat smoking a cigarette <laughs> like leotard coat open like lounging on the posing lounging on the roof amazing like yeah print it put it on my wall incredible (laughs) but then it follows with an even better shot of her bringing literally bringing destiny in between her thighs wrapping her coat around her yeah i mean what a moment you know a moment that feels completely true to what was happening on screen 
And also, like, of course, so symbolic of what their relationship is and sexy and maternal and so many things all at once. Um, the way JLo's face looks as she's like kind of looking down those big false eyelashes mm-hmm. sh- like on her face as she's like tenderly looking down at destiny is so it's just all so good. Yeah, I I think another scene for me that really kind of hits home is the the, the Christmas scene where they have it's a yeah. long scene yeah. of them kind of doing Christmas with the four of them um, and their families <laughs> really is what it yeah. is. Um, and I just love how how much um, Ramona um, really loves uh, Destiny's grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like they, they have like a couple sequences where they're talking to each other and everything like that. And I just like I really loved that because it does feel like family at that point, which is it's so, so. It, um, integral to kind of how this movie works. It's also such a good scene to show how Ramona's character is so incredibly charming. Like she's yeah. using, she's not trying to manipulate people in that scene. I think she feels like Mm-mm. she's with her family, but those same skills and personality is how she got so far in her work. Mm-hmm. Is she's so warm and charming with everyone that, it's a skill she has developed that she can't turn off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you re- and you see that with her grandmother, with Destiny's grandmother. That like mm-hmm. she's charming that grandmother um, and bringing her in. I loved the use of Frankie Valley in that scene. <laughs> um, there, I mean, just again, I could talk about the music forever. Yeah. I really would hope and love that if. It doesn't win. At least gets nominated. This this soundtrack gets nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, that'd be um, nice. Like, this is Grammy worthy. Uh, this is a Grammy worthy soundtrack, uh, in my opinion. And another another scene that really kind of stood out to me the way music was used and the way it was shot. Um, it was a short little scene that does doesn't really matter that much to the film, but um. The shot of all those moving guys carrying the tan that tanning bed up to the apartment. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the way that it was like that was scored so intentionally and was like there was such a focus on them. It was like uh, this may be cheesy, but the movie is called Hustlers, and the whole thesis of the film at the end is that like everyone is out there hustling. Everyone's spending money, trying to get money, everyone's dancing. And mm-hmm. that was that little shot because so much attention was paid to it, which is kind of like while these women are out here like hustling for their money, there's like groups of people like this all over the city, all over the country, all over the world doing the exact same thing. Like this group of guys, like this is their hustle, this is their business. And they're putting in the work. I don't know. I might be reading too much into it. It just struck me as like such an important shot like so much thought was put into it yeah i think i think that's actually one of my criticisms is that there weren't enough of that because that's that like we we didn't one we didn't get to see new york like this is shot mostly in close-ups and obviously it's expensive and difficult to shoot in new york but i wanted because of that shot i wanted more of that of seeing like everyone else is also doing this and especially when that's like the thesis of the movie and that's what we kind of get to at the end is everyone's out there hustling we didn't see anyone else out there hustling mm-hmm. we saw the bad guys and we saw these women yeah um, and we and we got this one shot of these guys unloading this moving truck um, and that that is exactly what I what I wanted more of is mm-hmm. just 
that feeling of, oh, you're right. Everyone is out there, <laughs> out there the, really the real putting world. in the work. Yeah. Yeah. So again, not a huge criticism at all. It's just because of that shot, I was like, yes, this is really good. I want yeah. more of this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think of other things that really stood out to me. That whole sequence where um, they're trying to get the, the guy who's hit his head to the hospital reminded me so much of Widow's. Yes. Um, <laughs> much more comical, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but very reminiscent. Um, and, and you know, it's comical at first, and then as it starts to, even after they get to the hospital, and her day keeps going, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, like man. once the job is over, she still has to pick up her kid and take her kid to school and check on her grandma and all those things feel as tense as the job did. You know what I mean? Because of who she is and how she exists in the world and how her day, her nights affects her days. Um, I thought that was really well handled. Mm -hmm. Um, Lily Reinhart is in this movie. Uh, I thought she was very charming in it. It's a very small role, but like Kiki Palmer, I think she, you know, the little that she gets to do, she, like, really makes it count. Agreed. I hadn't seen her in anything before. You, have you ever watched any episodes of Riverdale? No. Yeah. I've only seen, like, the pilot. Um, but, you know, I thought she, like, held her own on a cast of, like, big stars, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, um, Constance Wu is great. And so, like, when sure. you're beside Constance Wu and J-Lo, like, that is, that is just difficult. <laughs> yeah. We haven't talked about Constance Wu enough. Um She's yeah, she is the heart of this film and she does she really balance she's balancing a lot. JLo is balancing a lot of pizzazz and that's a whole skill set and Constance is bal- balancing a lot of like the grounded nature of this film. The darkness, the the fear, the the anxiety that we are feeling as an audience is held on her shoulders. Yeah. Um I think yeah. it's kind of a thankless role just because it right. is like with, with a movie like this, when you have JLo, like you don't, I, I think it's difficult to appreciate all the work that, that Constance Wu is putting into this character because it is just elevating everyone else. Like totally. it really is the bedrock. So yeah, um, yeah I think she does a, a great job with it, but it's not, it's not like the flashiest thing in the world. Right. Yeah. I, I really, I really liked this movie. Ultimately, you know, in movies like this, you're following along with your main characters, and even if they're doing something wrong, you're like, you're you're on their side essentially, right? And um, for the and especially when they're as sympathetic as these characters are, um, I would mm-hmm. say in a movie like Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not on that character's side, even though no. he is the protagonist. But in this movie, like these are sympathetic characters, even though they're doing very wrong things, um, but. You know, the movie tries in, in the article there. It's kind of called like a Robin Hood tale. Um, and really? yeah, because it's like they're the people stealing from the poor, stealing from the rich, you know, and uh, they're just keeping it for themselves. Right. Well, I mean, it's not <laughs> okay, it's not yeah. an exact, you know, yeah. um, match, but, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's like Robin Hood stick, though. It's like robs from the rich to give to the poor. I mean, they are like taking care of their families and like, yeah. you know. Compared to these men, they are giving to other women, you know, <laughs> who are poor. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All I'm saying is this movie, I think, does a good job of both giving us their side, but not making them blameless either. You know, the reporter yeah. character says, even says, she's like, I, I know I'm supposed to feel 
like, you did a wrong thing by drugging these guys. But she's like, I really don't feel that bad for these guys. And then Constant, and then the Destiny characters goes, well, I do. I do feel bad for them. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, for me at least, as an audience member, I'm right in between those two characters, you know? They're... In certain instances, I think what they did was horrible and wrong, and you do feel bad for some of these guys that were incredibly victimized. And yeah. then at the same time, um, you feel you really feel for the, the main characters, and you understand the system that they're living in and why all of this made complete sense to them at the mm-hmm. time they were doing it. Yeah. And so I, I love a movie that can live in that gray area and – feels like everyone's story was given the a proper the proper amount of like time and thought you know yep definitely yeah all right well is there anything else you want to say about hustlers before we head out yeah so overall i really enjoyed this movie um i i it, I, it's weird because it didn't I didn't have a lot of like problems with it I just don't think i connected with it as much as i thought i was going to which might be um which is i don't know I, I, I will need to rewatch it again for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun with it, obviously, the music and everything. So it's it's definitely a movie I'm going to come back to. I'm excited. I, <laughs> you know, this this there's a talk, there's Oscars talk with this movie, specifically with J-Lo, but also just the movie as a whole. Um, I, I, I really would love if this movie got Oscars attention. I, feel I think like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't think it will, but. I think I like co- costumes, music, maybe J Lo. Like I think, I think those. The could thing is, be it won't areas. get Oscar attention for music because it's soundtrack, not score. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Which you're is right. kind of like a shame. It's kind of a crazy that like <sighs> there's a score Oscar, but not a soundtrack Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Um. We've got we've got sound mixing and sound editing, but we can't get score and soundtrack. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I would say that this movie depend could get a screenwriting nom or a directing nom. Like mm. I, I think it's possible. I, I, I know like there's a ton still to come out. Um, yeah. I think if widows can get Oscar attention, so can this movie. Widows got zero Oscar attention. It got some. No, 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 not a single one. No Oscars, nom- no Oscar nominations at all. Okay. Well, it's then a travesty. Maybe I'm, Maybe I'm very misguided on this topic. <laughs> I th- I think that's one of the reasons why I'm like holding this so far away. I'm just like it, right. it's it's fine. It's not going to get any Oscars attention. Widows didn't get any Oscars attention. Right. It'll be fine. But <laughs> this movie is also nothing like Widows. So in the in in, in the fact and like it's it's tone and everything. So yeah, I mean, I would say it has some similarities, but like. It also like there are moments where it's very different. It, it, this movie tries to have fun in parts of the movie, and yeah. then in other parts of the movie, it does feel like Widows to me. Yeah, yeah. Widows is never trying to have fun. No, so. no. <laughs> um, all right, Lucas. Let's sign off and let people know where they can find us online. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find all of my social media at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 